This is episode 66. I am here. My name is Jeffrey Morse, and joining me over the internets, our good friend, Rob Douglas. Sup? Rob and I are holding down the fort this week. Nathan is not able to be with us. He's kind of feeling under the weather, as am I, but I'm here. Uh, (laughs) So hopefully (laughs) I'm not going to be sniffling or coughing too much into the microphone for you guys. So thank you for bearing with us this week. Um, nonetheless, the Feel show like, must go on. And uh, Rob, I know you are excited about our show today. Yeah, I feel like I need to say something really stupid because Nathan's not here. Like, <laughs> nope, nothing's come to mind. This is why we have Nathan to make the stupid comments. <laughs> no, no one can replace Nathan on the show, that is true. <laughs> we do have a fun show. We're going to be talking about our favorite video game voice actors, um, about Star Wars Battlefront 2 impressions, uh, going to review a new Switch eShop title, and uh, yeah, so uh, we'll jump into things here first, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, some news that happened this week, and uh, Fortnite Battle Royale launched um, a week or two ago, and we have um, some impressions on that, so Rob, I, I know you've played it at least once, uh, can you kind of explain what the idea is uh, for Fortnite Battle Royale? I have actually not played it yet. Oh, really? I downloaded it, but Nathan's played it a couple times. You've played it a few times. I downloaded it, and then I got sucked into um, Horizon Zero Dawn. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can't blame you there. Horizon uh, will do that I have not been able to get out of the slaughtering giant robot dinosaurs. So you're familiar kind of with the Battle Royale type genre, right? I know the... Like particularly player unknown battlegrounds, I understand the concept of you have a whole. It's kind of like the Hunger <clears throat> Games. Um, Battle Royale was also a movie that came out back long ago before the Hunger Games, but essentially, all you players versus each other, fight to the death, last yeah. man standing. You, you start like as a you know a airborne trooper, and you jump out of the airplane, you land somewhere. And you kind of just hole up somewhere and try to basically survive last man standing. And, you know, Nathan says it's, you know, Fortnite's basically like a cartoon version of, you know, player unknowns battlegrounds. It's um, same basic yeah. idea. It's definitely kind of a homage, a ripoff of that. Um, but but the it, Team Fortress 2 <clears throat> treatment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. It's very kind of Team Fortressy with the character models. And it has a building um, way. I've only, I only did one game. I was really confused because I had a pickaxe, so I kept, like, mining, like, wood and, like, ore and stuff like that. And I kind of built this little tiny structure, like a couple walls and stuff, but then some guy came up and he had a shotgun, and <laughs> I was trying to pickaxe him, and it didn't work very well. So um, <laughs> I'm sure there's probably a way you can craft weapons or something. I just, you know, didn't know what I was doing. But it's cool because I think there's 100 people in a game, um, so that's cool. You're playing with a lot of people, and then you can jump in solo queue or you can jump in with a squad of, I think, three or four people. And so, you know, me, Rob, and Nathan can all jump in and, you know, kind of stick together and watch each other's back because there's other squads all throughout the game as well. So um, there's kind yeah. of two different modes, which is cool. But, but yeah, it, it launched uh, for free on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, which, you know, can obviously help boost its numbers. And it had over 1 million players on the launch day, which um, I, was, I was surprised by. I, I was impressed by that number. It's a pretty huge number, especially for a game that 
It has this kind of... I mean, this is the popular game right now, the Battle Royale type games. But that that's staggering the amount of people tuning in the first day. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I wonder... You know, I, I'm really impressed that they didn't have more server issues. Yeah. I mean... Maybe they did. I, I didn't hear anything about it. <laughs> I didn't hear anything about server issues, and so that tells me a lot that they were prepared for it, yeah. or at least were aware that this might be a pretty overwhelming amount of yeah, people trying to play this. I think it's smart, too, because, you know, uh, PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds hasn't come out on consoles yet. There isn't really a good console experience um, for this kind of Battle Royale. So Fortnite, yeah. realizing that, adding this, you know, new Battle Royale mode in for free um, was definitely a really good, you know, publicity move, you know, getting lots of attention mm-hmm. for their game now and people are jumping in because they can't play you know the the really good one that everyone's playing over on steam with player unknown so so yeah, yeah it's it's pretty cool hopefully we'll um here on the show get a chance the <clears throat> excuse me the three of us will all get a chance to try it out and let you know our impressions but um yeah go, go check it out it's a free download um let us know what you think so our next piece of news is probably my most excited or exciting news piece for the week is that uh, the Super Nintendo Classic has officially been hacked. Um, and what I mean by and what I mean by that is that the original um, kind of modder developer who came up with the you know hack for the NES Classic to be able to add you know up to sixty um, other ROMs to the um, NES Classic, adding more games. Um, you can now do it with the Super Nintendo Classic as well. And so it was super easy. I just updated, you know, my software. The, it's called the Hikachi. And, uh, you know, within five minutes, I had, you know, 20 new games running flawlessly on my Super Nintendo Classic, which was awesome. Like, it's so easy. You know, I don't do modding. I don't, you know, do a lot of downloading or, you know, custom homebrew or anything like that. But um, I, was, like, I was able to do it in just a couple minutes. So um, as of right now, I have 57 games um, up from the 21 that shipped with the Super Nintendo Classic. And here's the cool part. Um, the internal memory for the Super Nintendo Classic is 300 megabytes. Like Nintendo you know, shipped it with a 300 megabyte you know, memory or whatever. And the 21 games only take up about 80 uh, megabytes. And so it doesn't even take up a third of the total memory you have on the Super Nintendo Classic. And so... Mm-hmm. After I added my 27 games, um, I still have only used 125 megabytes. So, like, my Super Nintendo Classic isn't even half full, and I'm at 57 games. So, like, potentially, you know, I could add, you know, 100 more games about and have, you know, over 100 games on the Super Nintendo Classic and still, you know, have plenty of room to add any of the games I wanted to, which I think is awesome. <laughs> I know this NES is, uh, the SNES has a lot of games. Do you think that you would ever hit that hundred and, you know, like, you know, full up your memory, you know, have probably two, almost 200 games on there? Um, not, not for me personally, probably. I, I mean, <clears throat> I might add a few more games than I have right now. Uh, but pretty much I just went through and added kind of any type of game that, looked interesting to me that I hadn't played that was on any type of, you know, top 50 list or anything like that, or I, you know, heard, heard good things about, um, which is tough for me because I'm not a big RPG guy, but like so many of those Super Nintendo games were really good RPGs. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I already have Earthbound and Final Fantasy and Secret of Mana and I put Chrono Trigger on there, but like, I'm like, okay, I already have like five really good, like timeless RPGs. Like <laughs> I'm not going to add any more. There's no way I can get to all of them. 
Yeah. Um, and so pretty much I'm just adding any other games I played, you know, just for a couple minutes as a as a kid growing up. Maybe it was at a friend's house. Like, Zombies Ain't My Neighbor. Like, I played that on my friend Julian's house all the time as a kid. And I never owned it. I never really played it anywhere else. And I've always, like, loved it and wanted to play it again. I remember it being so fun. Um, but I never had the chance to because the card is, you know, like 50 plus dollars, um, you know, to buy it for Super Nintendo. So that's kind of made me hold off. So um, yeah. d- downloading games like that and some other ones I rented from Blockbuster as a kid is kind of what I'm kind of what I'm doing right now, which is. Oh, which is yeah. <laughs> when you could rent video games from Blockbuster. Yeah, I, I downloaded or, you know, I rented all those movie uh, movie games and you know like the Looney Tune games. They made a lot of really good Looney Tune games. Like they have a Looney Tunes basketball game that's like basically NBA Jam but with like crazy like Mario Kart power ups. Like oh so much yeah, fun. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, just for you guys who are um, you know under probably you know twenty, Blockbuster was a place <laughs> where Netflix and GameFly existed in real life. Not was, on the internet. <laughs> it was a red box, but in a giant store that had a few unhappy employees running there, and it was not very fast or cheap. <laughs> like, no, it never yeah. was. I just remember getting all the 64 games from, yeah. I'd always get 64 games from Blockbuster. But Yeah, so if you have a Super Nintendo Classic, um, check it out. Um, uh, you can find the link you know, on Reddit or pretty much anywhere if you just Google, you know, Google it, but... Um, super cool, super easy to do. My dad's excited because, you know, he's he, uh, such a sport guy, and he's like, all right, I'm going to send you a list. I definitely want Madden and Super Tennis and NBA Jam Tournament Edition and, like, you know, all these uh, sport games that he played. And so um, if you're bummed that the Super Nintendo Classic didn't include some of your favorite games, like for me, it didn't include Mario All-Stars or Donkey Kong Country 2, which are two of the best games of all time, um, you can remedy this now, which is pretty cool. It just throws them right into the – interface with box and everything so it looks really nice so yeah check check that out um rob you got our next news story yeah so overwatch has announced their well actually i think it was leaked before it was actually announced and they officially announced their halloween terror event it's back this year overwatch always has these things leak when they have new events they always do and i'm pretty sure actually i have a conspiracy theory that most of the time when these things are leaked it's actually intentional (laughs) Um, <laughs> Build but, hype, but there's new skins. There, there's some pretty cool costumes that are coming out for a lot of the characters. There's a new edition called Brawl, and an update to PVE Junkenstein Revenge. The Junkenstein Revenge, yeah. So, if, so you, it's... if you played Overwatch last year, um, you know this event. Like this is the second time they've done it. Um, mm-hmm. They've added, I think, nine new legendary skins. So there's a lot of new skins. Yeah, there's a lot of good skins. Plus all the old ones like are back. If you like didn't get Witch Mercy last year, you can try to get it again this year. Yeah. And then um, the Junkenstein Revenge, basically you're just defending the, you know this castle wall and there's waves of enemies coming. And so um, I did play one round of the updated version. Yeah, glorified with... Firefight. Exactly, yeah. I did play Firefight. one round with a friend of the show, um, Adam, Adam Sumerster Fields. And... Uh, um, it's pretty much the same as last year, except for they added in like a Symmetra character who's um, basically an, another boss you have to fight. But pretty similar. Then there's kind of an endless mode too, which I haven't tried yet, but it's kind of that new new brawl mode. I think that's a little more in depth. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Lot, lots of new fun stuff there. I haven't yeah, played Overwatch really since Destiny 2 and Splatoon 2 came out. Like I haven't really played it yeah. that much. So I installed installed it and you know it feels really good to get back in. So I'm probably gonna be 
enjoying that a little bit this week. So yeah, check yeah. it out. Let us know what your favorite new skin is. My favorite, uh, I just have to say, is the Zenyatta Cthulhu skin. <laughs> it's super cool. <laughs> it's like this green and purple, like Cthulhu crazy robot Zenyatta like monk. It's yeah. it's awesome. It's super cool. Oh, alright. There was one, I can't remember which character it was, and I can't even remember which one it was right off the top of my head, which is terrible for a video game podcast to be like, oh, you know the one that was super cool? Yeah, that one. There's a lot of really cool ones, so. But they had some they had some good throwbacks to movies and stuff, and some great TV show references and all that going through their costumes, yeah. so. Check um, them out. They're yeah. awesome. So, Rivals of Aether, this news broke, I think, about a week ago, but, uh, they have announced the newest fighter to join the Rivals of Aether roster. Um, her name is Claren, and she got a whole announcement trailer with like little like cutscenes, and um, you know she's basically from the future, and she has to go back into the past to prevent all these bad things from happening. She has this really cool like kind of futuristic eye mask, and uh, um, basically this is like your Marth type character. Like finally, Rivals has a sword uh, character. They've you know Dan's been teasing it forever. He teased on our podcast a really long time ago. You know, yeah. And uh, um, it's coming out with Rano, who is the you know poison frog. Um, both of them are in a double pack. October seventeenth, four ninety nine. I'm excited because I still have four ninety nine in my Steam account, and that is exactly what these two characters cost. So <laughs> I'll be picking both these guys up. They look really cool. Um, and she's like a plasma fighter, so very similar to Marth. You know, if you hit them with the tip yeah. of the sword, it does the most damage rather than if you're right next to them and. She has some other cool, you know, um, abilities where she can kind of, like, freeze the enemy and parry different things. So, looks looks really, really cool. Some really cool combo potential. Um, and, yeah, it was funny. I saw Dan on Twitter because some people, after he uh, announced her, were, were saying, oh, like, this is just like a Lucina ripoff. Like, she has a little eye mask. You know, she has the Marth sword. She's from the future and travels back in time. <laughs> and Dan had to put out this clarifying tweet saying, like, just so everyone knows, I've never played anything Fire Emblem before, and I had no idea Lucina traveled back into the past. Like, completely coincidental. I know it sounds crazy, but I thought that well, was pretty Unfortunately funny. for Dan and a lot of video game companies nowadays is that all the ideas have basically been done. And so no matter yeah. what <laughs> new or interesting concept you put out that's very unique to your game, and you may not have any influence from anywhere else, someone somewhere in the depths of the <laughs> internet is going to say, oh, this is just a ripoff of da-da-da. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I thought that was funny. You but... just can't get away from it. it it's the it's a curse of the internet. So. Yeah. <laughs> but if I check out the trailer, the trailer was really cool. Some new music mm-hmm. in there. And uh, um, the characters don't come with the stage, so just the two characters, four ninety nine, October 17th, which is in a week from today. So, yeah, uh, look yeah, forward to that one. Out. Uh, Rob, you got our last news story here. Yeah, so IO Interactive. Uh, a few months ago, we heard the news that IO Interactive, which is the the uh, video game company that does the Hitman series particularly, basically they got kind of shut down for a while there. They w- we weren't sure if they were going away, if what was happening. The Hitman IP kind of faded into the background. There was a whole bunch of drama. Some people got fired and all the stuff, and they were basically they went dark. Uh, IO, I basically announced, hey, we're going to take some time and figure out what the next step is. And just yesterday, or the day before, it was earlier this week, they announced that on October 24th, they have a new announcement coming out. And there's they this announced picture that, that they, there is an announcement coming. Basically, they pulled a <laughs> Nintendo and said, hey, check out our uh, 
actual announcement here and a Rockstar. It would, Rockstar it would have to be like tomorrow morning. That, that would be Nintendo. They give you like 24 hour notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on October 24th, there will be a announcement coming. So they have this picture that they put up, and the picture shows it's that you know it has um, the Hitman like kind of logo at the bottom. It's got the time and the date, and then it's got a guy standing in the background facing away from the picture. And he's holding his hands out to what looks like, like you said, Avatar earlier, Avatar, the last yeah, Airbender type TV like show. <laughs> or my thought, and some of the people on the internet was like, that looks an awful lot like Ubisoft's logo. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you and pointed like, it out, I, I saw it. It's the total swirly, you know, kind of Dreamcast looking. Yeah, logo. yeah. Um, and the announcement basically has come tied with the idea that it's not going to be about season two for Hitman, um, but hmm. it's about their IP. So there are a lot of rumors going around right now that maybe IO Interactive has been kind of purchased or is yeah, teaming acquired. up with Ubisoft, which yeah. would be kind of an interesting move. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. Hey, I'd be all for it. That brings us one step closer to a Hitman, Assassin's Creed, uh, Splinter Cell crossover game. So <laughs> Yes. Okay. I'm okay with that. With some Far Cry thrown in on the side. There you go. <laughs> Throw in all the animals <laughs> from Far Cry. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. We'll definitely have to, to keep an eye on that one. Um, I've never really played any of the Hitman games, but you know, um, I think this announcement could you know, pique, pique some interest for sure. The latest Hitman was really incredible from all that I've seen and heard about yeah. it. It's got great gameplay, great features, and great graphics. Um, I played some of the older Hitmans. Uh, they were okay. Uh, I think graphically, obviously, they show their age. And um, AI-wise, some of them were fun. Some of them had some bad quirks that kind of made it hard to play. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think they were a good series, and they were really good in the... They're really defining in the um, stealth spy-type category of games. So yeah. I think Hitman has always been a good, stable video game series. It's kind of like Metal Gear Solid. We all know about it, we just not all of us play it, which yeah, is okay. For sure. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, we'll, we'll let you know uh, if anything comes to that announcement in uh, two weeks. By then, I won't really probably notice or care because i'll be three days away from my odyssey and i'll just be like exploding with hype so um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving on to our second segment this is our main segment of today's show um questions with rob one of our um, favorite segments uh regular segments that we do here on the show has officially returned we have tasked rob with giving kind of a good topic and uh just kind of question that we can kind of dive into this week and so rob i'll kind of let you take it from here all right, so kind of I, I pull both Jeff and Nathan before we start each of these questions. And, you know, I give them a couple of options of things, I'm you know, topics I'm kind of thinking about that we can ask some questions about. And this week I asked, you know, a couple different topics, and they picked voice acting and motion capture. So we're going to talk a little bit about voice acting mainly, but we'll talk a little bit about motion capture also. Um, and I figured what would be a good place to start is kind of give you guys a short history of some of the origins of voice acting motion capture and facial capture i do love so, history so a little history lesson kind of taking a little bit of jeff's job but i will not go nearly as in depth as he <laughs> does often so voice acting um really when they talk about voice acting the first one that they kind of talk about is 1982 space spartans wow i haven't even heard of that 1982 yeah, exactly 1982 it was essentially an arcade game yeah 
Um, and it was the first game with voice. And it was absolutely stunning to the video game world because up until this point, no one had no video game had really sound, or if they yeah. had sounds, it was a little bleeps and bloops. you know, you know, bleeps and bloops. And this is the first one where voice actually came out of the video game arcade, and it was very monotone, very robotic, and kind of what you would imagine an arcade game voice would sound like. But like, a voice, nonetheless. You know, Street Fighter type thing, or, you know, Captain Falcon, show me your moves, or, you know, just like one or two <laughs> catchphrases. But, you know, only in robotic voice. So it's it's a good place to start. Um, later on that year, 1982 as well, Sinister, also an arcade game that also came out on the Atari 2600, was the first real game to use a human voice mm. rather than just the on robotics. So there, 1982 is kind of the, the set yeah. arcade game using human, using voice, but not really voice acting. They're probably just a developer sitting in the back room of the studio and makes, you know, a couple of catchphrases and they run it through a whole bunch of auto-tune and throw it into the game. Yeah. So not really voice actors and acting, but that's kind of where it started. But there was a huge change about the 90s that actually made video games what they are as far as voice acting, motion capture, facial animation, like graphics. Everything we think of when we talk about video games, we talk about the acting, we talk about the voice, we talk about the story, we talk about the just the graphics and where everything is, happened in the 90s when video games moved from floppy disks to CDs. <laughs> yeah. You could fit way more on a CD. <laughs> you could fit way more. It was the difference between a floppy disk, which had 1.44 megabytes of memory. <laughs> That's insane. So if you wanted to have enough game on your, or if you had, wanted to have enough uh, video game cartridges, essentially, or you know floppies to actually use voice acting, you'd probably have to do like four or five floppies. Yeah. And break the game up really tiny. Versus a CD that could have over 600 megabytes. Which, I mean, nowadays terms, my phone has 40 gigabytes. Yeah. My, <laughs> my Fitbit has more memory than a CD-ROM has. It's just like, you look at how big Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo games were, you know, they were, you know, two, three megabytes each. Yeah. And you look at the jump up into um, Sony PlayStation, like, those games were very big, you know, in the many, many gigabytes. Like, just there was a really big jump there. Um, that I think that's probably been the biggest jump that we've seen in, in video games. Yeah. But it opened up that avenue for voice acting and that type of animation. And so three big companies came out of this. And these are the three kind of forefathers of voice acting as we know it today. Mm. Sierra, Lucasfilm, mm. and Origin. Yeah, I can see that. As, so... <laughs> What we got here, we got Sierra, the first game ever, really, 1991, Adventures of Willie Beamish, which mm. if you have heard of that game, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It was essentially it Tom Sawyer meets Leave It to, Be- Leave it to Beaver. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's what they described it as. I've never heard of this game before in my life. I know I love Sierra. Tom Sawyer and I love Beaver, so maybe I'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> I I know Sierra because they've created some other games that are really great, uh, but I, I've never heard of this one. Good reason. They use stage actors. So stage actors mm-hmm. who normally do theater who came in and did the voice acting for this, and they've never really been in voice acting again. 
So these are no names <laughs> that I've never really heard in video games again because very dramatic, all the video I'm sure. games very story driven. It was actually given a whole bunch of really bad ratings because it basically stereotyped people was extremely offensive, extremely racist, and extremely oh sexist. Wow. And so it basically was like, here's the first video game that actually has voice acting, and it just basically pissed everyone off and annoyed. And basically <laughs> Probably scared everyone else from doing voice acting. <laughs> offended everyone. So not off to a great start. Yeah. I believe Sierra is now has long or well they don't exist anymore really but they they recovered from this and came out with some pretty good games but um next one is lucasfilm 1990 they had this video game called loom and if you've ever perused kind of like gog.com or steam library every once in a while you notice Lucasfilm's Loom. It was an action and adventure game set in the fantasy world, you know, magic. They used music in it as well as kind of that fairy tales, Tolkien-esque fantasy, yeah. type world. But it had fully voiced characters. Hmm. And they used actors for it and everything, actors who Lucasfilm's used for several other of their projects as well as are, you know, out there in other avenues. Not necessarily well-known actors, but actors nonetheless and then probably the most famous one of them all the little company called origin which not a lot of people know origin when we hear origin we think of ea yeah (laughs) but origin came out with a little game called wing commander 2 in 1991 if you know the wing commander series you are in a good company (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wing Commander 2 was known for being basically innovative in every area. Wow. Uh, Embraced VGA graphics and sound cards and many other highly technical pieces of equipment and software, as well as they were the only, they were the first company to ask players to customize their memory managers in order to play the game. And gamers went out and bought custom memory managers (laughs) in order to play this game. This is the equivalent of going out and buying a, like a new video card or sound card or you know upgrading our memory PS4 Pro. Or <laughs> on our, our, our computers so that we can play a game this is kind of the first example of that and most of the actors in this one were they went on and they only really worked on origin projects but it opened up the doors for wing commander 3 in 2000 or in 1994 2005 which had not only voice acting but also celebrity cameos, as well as full motion scenes. Uh, <laughs> their cuts, which were, you know, this is kind of the cheesy version of they would basically film it with people and then sort of, like, crop it into like, the video like game. green screen them out and put them into the game. Kind of like yeah, Mortal Kombat. So, yeah, essentially. And so it looks really cheesy, really bad. It looks like someone did a really bad paint, copy and paste <laughs> type stuff. But it opened up the doors to some really famous voice actors, Mark Hamill, mm. Malcolm McDowell, and John Rice davis Nice. I mean, like, three hardcore hitting. And Mark Hamill has been in the video game voice acting world ever since. Yeah, You'll I was, was going to say, acting. he's so good in those Batman games as, as the you Joker. You hear his voice all over. Batman, um, he was in... Uh, Wolverine, and he was the watcher from the Darksiders games. I mean, he's oh, been wow. all over. Yeah, so that's really cool. Mr. Luke Skywalker kind of, himself. This is kind of where it started. 
Uh, motion cap. I'll throw out a little history here on motion capture. So basically, it was all used... I know of like motion capture is like I remember watching behind the scene videos for like the original like NFL Blitz games of like <laughs> those developers, the little ping pong ball, you know, sensors on them, like doing backflips and crazy tackles and dances, like to you know capture all those crazy football, you know, brutal animations and stuff. But sorry, go ahead. That's just that's what I think of when I think of motion capture. Motion capture has been kind of, you know, we think of the ping pong balls, but it was even something even more different before that because it was first, you know, essentially that that awkward, really terrible copy and paste of actual film into video yeah. games. But the two kind of forefathers in the motion capture world were uh, a game called Raikai Dushi. Doshi? I don't even know how to say Raikai this game. Raikai Dushi. <laughs> It came out in 1988, but it used like it was like a fighting game. It used like diet or digitalized sprites, yeah, claymation or claymation. Oh, cool! And basically cutting out people's like kind of filming people and copy and pasting it into video games. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of the early examples, and it was followed by a really famous game that we've all heard of, Prince of Persia, 1989. Mm, yeah. Which actually, the younger brother of the director of the video game ran around, jumped, did flips, did rolls, dove over things like all the prince of prince's moves in real life in front of a camera, and they used what's really called cool. a rotoscope to put it in. Rotoscope is where you basically you take the picture or the video and you put it down and you draw it over it. Wow! And use the yeah, because those, in the those animations of the first Prince of Persia were so good, like the little rolling and. Grabbing the ledges. Yeah, that's really cool. So it's an actual person drawn into the game. <laughs> yeah, and with like pixel art. Like, it's so cool. <laughs> that's where motion capture essentially began. That is awesome. Now, motion capture went on to essentially be what we know, the ping pong ball suits. <laughs> uh, there's even higher resolution ones nowadays. Um, you can blame arcade fighters, actually, for the first motion capture Mm. Uh, Virtua Fighter 2, yeah. 1994, boasting a high 60 frames per second, first game to do so, wow. or one of the first. And then Namco Soul Edge in 1995 used the ping pong balls as well, so they were kind of the predecessors to the ping pong ball suits. Yeah, those big and from fighting there, games. You know, and now we have things like facial capture, which actually was originally used by the uh, the Yakuza series. Oh, okay. Like Fighter ones yeah, in 2005. So. So you can see it's kind of had a it kind of had abrupt history into games, and now you can't play a video game really without voice acting unless it's like an indie or something that's designed to not have voice acting. Yeah, it's like retro almost styled. Voice acting. Almost every game has some semblance of motion capture, and almost every game has facial capture. So, how do you think voice acting and motion capture has changed video games? Well, it added like a whole new element, obviously, into games. Like when I think, especially of voice acting, um, you know, I didn't really play in computers or you know arcades in the '80s, so I didn't play a lot of those original ones that you mentioned. Um, but when I think of you know Super Nintendo, there was a few games, you know, like I think Pilot Wings and Star Fox, and a couple of those early Super Nintendo games kind of had voice acting. Yeah, yeah and NBA Jam, of course, you know, has be on fire, and, you know, a couple of lines, but oh, it was, yeah, it was always, 
always kind of scratching. It was always just, you know, like one or two words usually. Um, it's not really full voice acting until, you know, the next generation comes out with PlayStation 1 and the N64. And, you know, I had the N64 growing up and starting Mario 64 for the first time, you know, I'd seen footage at Walmart and been like amazed. But like when I finally got it for myself and I'm jumping around, the first thing I noticed was Mario's voice. Like, you know, Mario is no longer running this silent protagonist that does all these crazy things that doesn't say anything. Now we know Mario's voice. You know, he goes like, yeah, yahoo, you know, all the different voices. And there's so many different little grunts and sounds. And even though there wasn't really any lines, Mario doesn't really say any words for the most part. You know, he says, here we go. You know, I'm Mario, stuff like that. But for the most part, he doesn't really speak in sentences. It just sounds. And they've kept that the same, even though, you know, they probably could have said more. Um, And so... I think that was just really cool because other than, you know, the Mario Super Show with that terrible acting, like Mario didn't <laughs> Mario didn't have a voice. It was kind of whatever yeah. he made it up to be. And same with Link, you know, he doesn't really have a voice in speaking languages, but he makes those different sounds and pretty much every Link since Ocarina of Time has made those similar kind of, you know, grunting sound effects that yeah. you know, it's so iconic that even though he doesn't speak, everyone knows that they hear those weird sounds that <laughs> it's coming from Link. And so um, that's what I really think of it, how how it changed. It just kind of added that that extra element of immersion. I think of the Donkey mm-hmm. Kong 64 rap when you, when you start that game. There's <laughs> literally this full rap song. Like, you couldn't have a rap song in a Super Nintendo game. You know, you could... No, and it changed everything. Yeah, it was like a lyric music video. Like, it was hilarious. And then, um, what, what was the other one I was thinking of? Donkey Kong, Mario, um, uh... Can't remember the other one right now. I'll I'll probably think of it later. But you know, the, <laughs> just these early '64 games that had had the voice acting, it just kind of changed. Oh, Star Fox. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Star Fox '64. If that game didn't have voice acting, it would not have been as memorable of a game. Like, sure, we look like, at it now, the voice acting super cheesy and stuff. But like, but, I play, mean, we still quote it. Like, do a exactly. barrel roll. <laughs> no one would still quote "Do a barrel roll" if that wasn't like voice acting. If it was just text, yeah. like the original Super Nintendo game, like it wouldn't have, you know, gone on and become a classic line. And that was something that was so beloved about that game. And me and my brother still quote, you know, the go lock, like at the beginning of every missing mission and stuff. So, um, yeah, it just really, really opened up video games to become more immersive and, you know, quotable and iconic for the, for the the first time. I think that word you just use immersive is kind of the big point. Cause like, Before that, we had all these characters that we were obviously seeing on, you know, we were a part of their worlds, but we only saw, like, their text voice. But to have the voice acting, even now with, like, motion capture and how these things have totally changed, like, you watch games like Horizon Zero Zero Dawn and, uh, you know, the new Grand Theft Auto V and, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 when it comes out, like, all the different, like the animation, you know, kick up and the voice acting, all this stuff, it makes it more immersive. Like we feel more involved in the story than we yep. would have if it was just a little what, text right. What I find interesting too is, you know, I give the example of Mario and Link. So many video game um, characters that have voice acting, you know, even like modern day, the most iconic ones are usually the, you know, the man or woman with the man of few words, you know. Think of Master Chief, how iconic Master Chief's, you know, voices, you know, sir, I'm finishing this fight, you know. The, yeah. you, th- you think of the Slayer, the, the Halo multiplayer announcer voice. You think of the Unreal Tournament announcer voice, Killer Instinct. Yeah. Like, 
so many of those voices are so iconic and they didn't necessarily say a lot just the style and the energy they brought to those lines was so unique and iconic which was really made characters stand out while you know if you have 50 game characters and all of them are just little bits of scrolling text a little harder for them to stand out <laughs> for sure yeah um Something we should probably mention, you know, talking about voice acting recently within the last few weeks and month, uh, there was a voice video game voice actor strike that just ended. Um, it it went ended on for a while, right? Yeah, it went on for 340 days, is what wow. the record it's like says. A year. And and essentially, someone calculated it out, and from that they can determine that this is the longest voice or actor strike. And since 1933, <laughs> that's crazy. When stuff like the MPAA and stuff like that were being established, and voice yeah. acting was at, or not voice acting, but acting, acting in general, yeah. in general, was being actually put into a union of sorts. And so, this is huge. Um, some of the things that came out of that that were kind of important were things like they got a better pay, but voice great. actors, you know, just being able to actually get paid properly for jobs and not going to a job and get paid you know 10 bucks an hour to do 300 hours of dialogue yeah when i mean that's ridiculous none of us would you know that's that's ridiculous and so actually getting paid what they're worth or how much you know comparatively to media to world because you know working for ubisoft and doing voice acting for the next assassin's creed game at 10 bucks an hour Mm-hmm. when Ubisoft's going to go on and make several billion dollars <laughs> yeah, off of this. Exactly. It, it doesn't make sense. So they were able to work out that contract, as well as one of the things that I found really interesting is that voice actors are now able to, they have like video game developers actually have to disclose more information about the game itself before they hire on voice actors. Hmm. One of the things with voice actor contracts up until this point is they get hired onto a game. They're not told what the game is. They're not told what character they're playing, but also in that they're not told any of the aspects of the game. So you could go into a game, well, yeah, get hired to do this. Because the secretive nature of you know games, games are in development for years and years, and before they're, you know, they've been worked on for maybe a couple of years before anyone in the public even knows about it. So obviously you have yeah. to do some voice acting, but I kind of understand why there's some secrecy, but also not knowing what your job is when you accept a job is kind of odd <laughs> and so here's some this is actually from what the contract actually set up it says while they do not need to name the game or character to maintain confidentiality when offering roles companies must provide actors with project code names gameplay genre if the work is based on an existing franchise or character and whether the work will include profanity racial slurs obscure technology terms mm-hmm sexual or violent overtures or physical stunts which literally none of those things were told to the actor before That's they got crazy. hired so you get hired on to do the next naughty dog project and they're like oh yeah we need you to actually be really physically fit and run and do in a motion capture suit and jump from you know jump six feet across this and, ledge to and show. potentially <laughs> say a bunch of words that you find offensive <laughs> right and they didn't have that so hmm. this is something that's, that's come up now that they actually have these standards. So, I mean, 
it's crazy to me that they didn't have these standards beforehand. Yeah, it seems kind of a no-brainer, but that's, I mean, that's good that they're there now, I guess, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in light of voice acting and that sort of stuff, how do you see this industry going forward? You can see where we've been in the past from, you know, back in, like, Prince of Persia era, you know, and the 1990s with the first Lucas films and Lucas Arts games and kind of that uh, Telltale style game where it was very minimally acted to you know things like Infamous Second mm-hmm. Son and Gears of War Four like where it's just over the top and Naughty Dog yeah. Uncharted Four is absolutely like incredible when it comes to this stuff. Where do we see this going next? Um, I I think. I like, you know, kind of the direction, you know, take a game like Gears and Infamous where obviously they're realistic human characters, but they're doing very kind of crazy, unrealistic things where they have, you know, superpowers or crazy moves. And I kind of like that blend, you know, where, you know, it, it feels like, oh, wow, this is really how a person would run or jump over a rock or do these things. And then all of a sudden their animation, you know, does something crazy that's not in real life and they make it, <laughs> make it look, you know, seamless. I think that's really the cool part of technology that we've kind of yeah. are getting into, which is um, so awesome to see, especially when, you know, we have these games in high definition now where you can zoom in to a character's face while you're just wandering around an open world and see their expression and see their hair blowing in the wind and, you know, seeing all these extra details that we didn't see before. You know, you can see their clothes or wet if you get out of a lake or something, you know? So yeah. I think just the, the extra detail in those animations that they can become so realistic in life. Like you even just look back at the first Assassin's Creed game and then you compare it to the newest Assassin's Creed game and just look how much smoother the wall climbing and the mm-hmm. running and the sword play, like how much more realistic and fluid everything looks, I think is um, what I'm just looking for, more of that fluidity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I would agree in the large sense that going forward from here, I think we're going to have more of the just fluidity and making it look more like an actual human. Um, you know, even now in some of our big games, Uncharted, there's there's these moments where we see them do something where we're like, well, that is, like, it kind of breaks the immersion, you know, when you mm-hmm. see a character not do something that totally looks lifelike or human-like. And so while still maintaining that video game aspect of, yeah, Nathan Drake literally has been climbing for the last 12 hours, so <laughs> which is impossible for yeah. all for any human. But, you know, I mean, obviously we kind of forgive some of those things, but being able to have that fluidity and performance yeah. level that we don't notice any. And I would, yeah, I see what you're saying. And I would just love, just as a baseline, for someone to figure out a really good algorithm or formula for, uh, animating just like facial animations and like mouths to like when voice lines come out to make it look really good. Cause you know, we have some really good examples, you know, in the last couple of years that I've had really good kind of facial animations and teams mm-hmm. put a lot of time working into those lips. And then we have more recent examples, you know, Ma- mass effect and drama comes to mind where it's just like some of the lines look good at the other ones are just like, Oh man, like that, that just doesn't look realistic. It's totally whacking me out that it's not really matching up with their yeah. face. And so I would love to see just kind of, every game just slowly kind of get that under handle where if you have realistic looking characters, there's some way to really make sure those facial animations when they are mm-hmm. delivering lines doesn't break the immersion because that's definitely can be jarring at times. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And I think just as we go forward here in this industry, there's going to be more and more software and technology and stuff to make it even more possible to capture yeah. just 
every detail. So, so um, next we should share what is our favorite voice acting or just like motion capture game that we played recently. Just eat, both of us share one. Do you, do you have one? Or do you want me to start? Um, it's kind of. Oh, there's so many good ones, and I have to go with Horizon Zero Dawn because that's the yeah. one I've been playing a lot with. I would go with Uncharted 4 because that's been one of my all-time favorites and most gorgeous, you know, gameplay capture-wise. But Horizon Zero Dawn has really impressed me with just how seamless it seems, and the world is really beautiful, and how mm-hmm. the actors and characters are, are displayed and shown. The voice acting has been really good, and uh, what I love about her voice acting in this game is... It never feels like she's shouting. Yes, exactly. You know, like, the games where it feels like, you know, like, basically... Tomb Raider. Um, Tomb Raider. <laughs> Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War. Yeah, like, Gears like, Dude, you're walking through a tunnel, and the people you're walking with are less than a foot away, but you're going to scream at them. Yes, because that's exactly. how your voice acting was done. And Horizon Zero Dawn, like, she actually changes the level of her voice when, you know, totally. there's a, when there's dinosaurs nearby, yeah, the robots there's, nearby. There's so. a lot of good good ver- variety in the tones yeah, and the inflections yeah, and the cool. softness of her voice. cool. Yeah, very good, good choice, very good choice. Thank um, you. My choice um, has to be Overwatch. Um, you think mm. of all the Overwatch characters... And all of them are so lovable and are such fan favorites. Everyone, you know, has favorite characters. There's, you know, the Divas and the Mercies and, you know, the Tracers that are popular to everyone. But typically everyone has, you know, one or two favorite characters that are unique from their friends. Um, me, I, I really, really love Winston. I don't really have any other friends who That's love Winston. I, I love his voice acting. It's kind of this really deep, you know, scientifical, you know, voice and... He's this giant gorilla that you normally wouldn't maybe expect to be this intelligent-sounding voice. And then, you know, you have all these different nationalities represented from, Mm -hmm. you know, Chinese characters to African-American characters to British, you know, accents, Australian, um, all over the place. And so each of those characters sounds so unique and sounds so different. That's a big part of the gameplay, you know. When a character uses an ult or certain abilities, like, you hear that character's voice and you know what's coming because those voice lines are so iconic and you know those voice actors have kind of taken on like the the mm-hmm. mantle of their characters and they post you know YouTube videos and they go to conventions all the time and they record silly videos yeah. and saying their lines in real life and you know pe- people love it so like that that is so good and, you know the animations all the different emotes that the dancing emotes and all the different emotes are really good motion capture as well it all looks really nice 60 frames per second so um, that's just a game that has really, really good polish, especially in the in the voice and the sound side of things. And for that, like almost Pixar animation style as well, to have yeah. that type of that level of motion capture, as well as just the fact that you don't need to see the character to pick up on some of their mm-hmm. characteristics or personality, just through the way the voice is acted. Yeah. It's it's incredibly totally personifying and, of them, and like all those characters too. Like they're so. Um, uh, they're so unique that they have their own different voices, and like you said, mm-hmm. you could probably match the voice to the person before you even, you know, officially heard who, heard who it was. And so, um, the great variety there is awesome. But yeah, yeah, um, it's kind of looking here at uh, you know wrapping this up. So let's talk. Who are some of our favorite voice actors? <laughs> so w- w- you texted me this question. You're like, I'll be thinking about this question for the podcast, Jeff. And- I sat down to think, and then I'm like, crap. All I played was Nintendo growing up, and the only Nintendo voice actor that anyone knows is Charles Martinet, 
who did Mario, yeah. Luigi, Waluigi, Wario, Baby Mario, like all the Mario characters. And so like uh, that was really the only one that came to mind, which was kind of funny. But, you know, yeah. on a serious note, like how iconic is that voice of his? Like they haven't so changed true. Mario's voice since it debuted in, you know, Mario 64. It's still mm-hmm. that same exact voice, same style, same type of sounds. Um, coming up with a different antagonist characters like Wario and Waluigi too. They definitely sound different, but they still kind of belong in the same type of universe. And so um, yeah. I think just he's has to be kind of my, I guess my favorite. And, you know, I'm sure Nintendo's probably going to, probably has already locked him up in a booth and recorded like millions of potential like names for future Mario games in case he like, you know, dies in a plane crash or something. They, <laughs> they still have Mario's voice in all these games going forward. Cause I don't see really, how you could really replace um, the iconic, you know, Mario voice that he he's created. But yeah, yeah. I wonder if they had him sit down and read through the dictionary. <laughs> Probably just read every word in the Mario voice. But no, yeah, like, it's weird. He he posts a video like online sometimes of him you know saying things in Mario's voice. I remember when uh, I pre-ordered Mario Galaxy one or two at GameStop. I uh, they did a special promo where Mar- Charles Martinet called you and reminded you of your pre-order, and he was like hello, this is Charles Marnay. You may know me as the voice of Mario. And he goes into Mario's voice, and he talked, like, six complete sentences telling you about Mario Galaxy. And it creeped me yeah. out because I'm like, I'm not used to Mario speaking complete, like, you know, complete English with sentences and paragraphs yeah. and stuff. It was it was kind of weird, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. But it's still great at the same time. Yeah, it's still like, oh, that's what Mario would sound like if he was a normal person, I guess. You know, I, I got to say some of my favorite voice actors are Nolan North and Troy Baker. Oh, yeah. I mean, just if you want kind of the... I know those names. <laughs> the Dwayne names. Johnson of the video game voice <laughs> acting <laughs> the world. Rock. The one who literally just does everything. It is in almost every movie and every big franchise now. And, you know, he, you look no further than Nolan North and Troy Baker, who have been in... I mean, both have a, a heavy repertoire in Naughty Dog games, uh, Troy mm-hmm. Baker, particularly with uh, The Last of Us, and Nolan North, of course, the voice of Nathan Drake in all the Uncharted games. Yeah. And Troy Baker joining him in the fourth one. And Nolan North has had a vo- has a voice in The Last of Us as well. But, like, the fact that Nolan North and Troy Baker are so versatile, they have so many games that they have worked on. I just... I mean, from Batman to Uncharted to Star Wars, even you know they they're in mm-hmm. it all. Yeah, they're really good. So awesome. Well, I think that about wraps up our voice acting chat. Thank you so much. That was a great topic, Rob. I hope you yeah. guys enjoyed listening to it. Um, to kind of close the show here for the last five or ten minutes, we want to talk our Star Wars Battlefront two impressions. Um, mm. Obviously, the beta came out this last weekend, and Rob and I both got to spend some time in it. And my first impression from, like, the first match I played was, wow, this is fun. And why did it take four years, two games, and all this DLC to get this Star Wars Battlefront feel right? Like, I'm just like, man, like, this is what I wanted when Battlefront came out on next-gen consoles a couple years ago. And, like, why was this so hard to make it feel? Like, it still looks very, very nice. It it feels, you know, not too different, but they just made so many little changes to the gameplay and the mechanics and how everything works and, you know, picking classes that it just feels so much better, even though it probably didn't take too much effort, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. 
I what I really loved about this one it, compared I played both. And the first Battlefront, I, I just felt like it was too much, like or like it just didn't feel right. You know, it, it didn't yeah, have there, that. There's something something off. It didn't quite feel like something Battlefront. felt off. It didn't feel. It felt more like Battlefield than Battlefront. Yes, yes for sure. And then when Battlefront two, I, I played this beta and I jumped into um, the arcade mode right away to kind of get a feel for how the gameplay was, and I was kind of struggling. It was a little awkward at first, and then I was like, okay, I just need to go for it, and I went into a strike. And the strike that they had going at that time was the one where you had to, and this might have been the one that they did for the whole weekend, but mm-hmm. you had to, either you were defending Maz, Maze's temple. Oh, Maz's the, temple, yeah. From, Maz's uh, temple, for, the for artifact. Awakens. Or you were trying to take it, and I did one of each. And yeah. I just remember feeling like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, this feels like Star Wars. This feels desperate, like I have to get this this goal. <laughs> and I won. When I defended, I won. And when we were attacking, trying to get the artifact, we almost won. Nice. I got yeah. the artifact and made it, like, almost all the way to the ship before yeah. and I died. It's pretty much just, you know, a capture the flag type mechanic where you got to go into the temple, grab the, you know, artifact, the Luke Skywalker's, mm-hmm. you know, lightsaber, whatever it is, and then make it back to your ship. And it... As you're running around, like you'll, I stopped so many times on that level, and just looked up at Maz's, you know, palace, and saw all the flags that had the Mandalorian flag that was in the movie. It has the big statue of her. It has the Millennium Falcon over parked by the water where they parked it in the movie to go go check out the temple. You could go underneath the temple and go into that long corridor with the spiral staircase where uh, Ray was called to go find Luke Scott, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, like. It's the attention it's to detail is so incredible. awesome. <laughs> well, and just even running around the battlefield when you're running, what I thought was really cool is we saw the trailers leading up into Battlefront 2 and into the beta. And mm-hmm. what I thought was cool is, you know how they always say, like, in-game footage or, in you know, yeah. captured in-game? And you're always like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? Like, we never believe them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking of voice acting and motion capture, but, like, the fact that, what we saw in the trailers is how the game played yeah. real time. Like it was absolutely gorgeous. And the characters and the gameplay and watching characters, like when you died, it didn't, it wasn't the stereotypical, like your body just sort of turns ragdoll, like so the puppeteer let go of the strings. Mm-hmm. Like it actually looked more realistic. Yeah. It was just, oh man, well, just, it was absolutely gorgeous. Just the simple gameplay change that if you're playing, you know, a, a battle, um, you're right away choosing what class you want to be, just like Star Wars Battlefront One and Two. So, you know, maybe your standard trooper that's got your your standard blaster weapon. You have a sniper character. You have a heavy character, and then you have, uh, I think, an officer. And each one of those four has different cooldown abilities that are unique to each one. So it feels a little bit more like Overwatch almost, where you have these different characters yeah. with different abilities and weapons that have the different strengths and weaknesses and. Um, when you respawn as well, there's this smart system where it respawns you with three other teammates. So you're not just respawn rambling to the world where you get team shot from across the map, like happened to me all the time in the first Battlefront. You're spawning in with a squad of four, and so you can kind of stick together with them if you want or, you know, go off some other way. And so just think rethinking the way you're spawning in. You can switch characters every time you spawn. Um, and then the Battlefront for PS4 had a you know, really weird weapon 
upgrade and hero uh, system where the only way to really play as hero characters or get special items and upgrades was to just randomly find tokens around the battlefield. Like, it was literally just like someone threw them across the battlefield and whoever happens to find it gets the power up. Really random. No one really liked it, especially when you know the experienced players found out where most of the spawns were. So you never really got to experience a lot of those cool power-ups if you were a casual player. Yeah. And, and now it's rewarded basically on how well you do. And so every kill when you... When you earn points. It's yeah. a point system. So as you earn points, you can unlock either... And there's there's two options. There was like a heavier yeah. trooper as well as a hero that you yeah. could unlock. And so, you know, if I only got enough points to get a hero, I think one or two times in the few matches mm-hmm. I played... But I could have unlocked the heavy trooper a couple of times, which has more armor, has like a flamethrower yeah. or like a special blaster, and it's different yeah. depending there's on the team. There's one where, well, yeah, whichever team you're on, there's one that had the the jetpack trooper that you could unlock. Um, yeah. And Chewbacca was an unlockable character. I believe Ray was an unlockable character. Yes. Yeah, um, just just Darth seeing the and... the different wide range of Star Wars. It's embracing all of Star Wars. Like you're playing. Clone Wars battles with Darth Maul and droids. You're playing Force Awakens battles. You're going to be playing Last Jedi battles. You're still going to play Hoth and the original trilogy battles. So really expanding the amount of worlds you're going to and the different eras of Star Wars and kind of bring that all together um, just feels awesome. And there's more classic music. Like I'm a big Star Wars uh, soundtrack buff. And so playing, I'm like, oh, I'm Darth Maul and it's playing Duel of the Fates from episode one. Awesome. Like, Oh, I'm attacking Maz's castle, and it's playing the Battle of Yavin from Star Wars Episode Four, one of my favorite, you know, cinematic yeah, pieces. Like, yeah. it was really cool because to have all these different iconic Star Wars music in there. While I feel like, you know, the original Battlefront for PS4 didn't have as many um, different variety of soundtrack, and this is just the beta. Um, now, the best part of the beta, easily for me, was the space battles. Um, Which, yeah, I didn't get a chance to jump into it. I was going to jump into it on Monday morning. It was the best. And then I misinterpreted when they closed the beta. They closed it at 9 a.m. Pacific time, and I thought they closed it at 11 p.m. Uh. or 11 (laughs) a.m. Pacific time. And so I jumped in about 9.30 and hit, you know, jumped into that space battle and just never was able to get a match. I was just like, So I'll just real quickly recap. Basically... Um, I love the original Star Wars Battlefront 2 for Xbox, PS2, uh, Space Battles. I love that mode. And they brought back the total free ship control from mm-hmm. Battlefront 2 for this you know, new Battlefront game. And so when your ship is out, you can use the left stick to adjust your speed, you know, go faster or slower. And then if you push left or right, you will roll your ship. And so you, know, you can completely go any direction you want. You can you know, fly sideways, upside down, any way you want and then the right stick just controls which way you move after that and so you have total control rather than just shooting other ships there's more objectives now where there's really really big star destroyers and frigates and command centers where you can fly into and do many trench runs and take out different areas and it kind of has you flying all around these giant big ships and if you get enough points you can unlock you know hero ships yeah um, there was like the millennium falcon and uh pose x-wing was yeah. one of the ones and, i saw and you have three different default choices already with you know like a x-wing a wing or a y-wing that each have their own different cooldown abilities mm-hmm. and it just felt so so much better they they got rid of the bad locking system from the the game before this where it takes a lot more 
skill and precision to take down enemy fighters. Um, it's a lot more rewarding. That sounds really, really awesome when you take out guys. And I, I probably played four or five matches of this in a row, and I just loved every second of it. So um, that yeah, is was definitely what would get me into this into Battlefront 2. It's those awesome space battles. It felt really good. I was really a little good. disappointed I didn't get a chance to do the space battles. I'll, I'll be honest, uh, Battlefront 2, the Xbox One, or Xbox and PS2 version, was not, the space battles were not my favorite part of the game. I didn't mind them, but they uh-huh. seemed kind of, like, versus the land, like, Galactic Conquest, or, like, playing, you know, Heroes, or stuff like that. Like, I love playing those type of game play. Yeah. And so that's why I was more excited to kind of sit down and play the the combat and see how that felt. Gotcha. That's fine. But, well, yeah, the combat still felt a lot was, better, too. But space battles was so fun. I was disappointed to miss the space battle. So you, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, I guess now I have to buy the game so I can try out the yeah. space battle. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, this isn't even including any of the single player. There's a whole single cinematic single player that seems to have a really cool story. Um, so I'm overall, impressions are really good. It looks awesome. Really, my only negative thing is... Um, even in the beta, there was loot boxes, and so um, you get loot boxes as you play and you know, hit different ranks and stuff. And there was a the, daily reward loot crate. Yeah, there's kind of like daily bounties that can give you um, loot crates, which is you know it's always fun to see your stats tracked. But uh, my problem with the loot boxes where I the first one I opened, I got an emote, a like altered appearance, and then I got two upgraded uh, weapon cooldowns. So I got like a Upgraded yeah. cooldown for when I play as Boba Fett and an upgraded trooper gun. And so they're mixing these cosmetics and, you know, gameplay improvement items into these loot boxes. And so I feel like when the game comes out, like, if you have $100, you spend $100 in loot boxes, you're going to have access to all these really, really good what new exclusive weapons that people don't have who just started the game. And mm-hmm. you're going to be able to, you know, play as a gold Boba Fett instead of a bronze Boba Fett, which is, you know, much more powerful and has faster cooldowns and really kind of mixing these cosmetic items with these kind of pay to win items, I think is a really, really odd move. And I hope that doesn't, um, you know, really ruin the game's online experience. I feel like that would. Yeah. Make certain players overpowered and make, you know, if you're just a casual gamer, well, you if you're a person who doesn't buy a bunch like of loot boxes, you're, probably, yeah. you're not gonna be as equipped as other people. You know, loot boxes are a part of gaming nowadays. Like we've kind of accepted that, but like most of the time in console experiences that are sixty dollars, we're not seeing loot boxes that are pay to win, which literally give you an advantage over other players who haven't bought loot boxes. Like it's yeah. typically just cosmetic items. So I don't know, just a beta. It's not the a, full game yet, but it's I may not be boring. a Jedi. But even I can see the future, and I can see a patch coming to fix some of this gameplay. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully. I mean, the game's not out yet, so um, they could definitely still tweak things. I, I think they so. got some negative feedback already. But Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that's our show for this week. Um, next week, we will hopefully have Nathan back on the show, and we're going to be covering some uh, more Nintendo Switch um, indie games that we've uh, uh, been fortunate enough to play, and so we will talking more about those next week and we will leave you with the zelda 2 palace theme if you guys enjoy it have a great week everyone all right see ya